Hello, good people around the world. My name is Adam Shaper, and this is Sounds Familiar, the podcast where I talk to the denizens of New York City's nightlife about their art, their desires, their drives, and how they survive in the big city. This week, my guest is Greg Hansen, head of King Pizza Records. He plays drums in, among other bands, The Mad Doctors, which uh, just did their last show after about an eight-year run. He makes some films and stuff on the side, too, and uh, I met him, oh, a few years back uh, from my pal Matt at the Roden Hour back in the B-Box days. The Mad Doctors came through, and I got to meet them back when Matt had the slot uh, right before mine, and he was a delight then, and I have to say he was very warm and welcoming. Uh, Had me over to his place, oh, about a month ago, and we sat down and we talked about him growing up in New York, um, what it was like to go to film school and kind of transfer his attention from making films and adding records and booking and all in the pursuit of creating a music community here in Brooklyn, New York. He's a real nice guy. Uh, King Pizza Records is about to put out their 71st release in six years so that's an excellent excellent record i've been to a lot of their shows and they are a lot of fun any of the king pizza present shows are a fantastic good time so um i'm gonna sit down with him i hope that you enjoy the interview and uh, i'll talk to you afterwards in the meantime please welcome of king pizza records greg hansen hello hello greg how are you good good how are you greg hansen i'm well (laughs) it's warm we're sitting here on a nice october evening in your uh, amazing VHS storage room. <laughs> uh, Dungeon is, I believe, the preferred how, how nomenclature. How often do you watch these? Uh, most days. Yeah, fair or enough. Or every other day. You know, yeah. How many do you think is here? I just want to give people that I'll probably take your picture in front of it. But what what, uh, what would you say is the, the, the numbers you got going on here? It's tough to say, partially because um, there are a number that are not currently on the shelf. That's that, fair. That yeah. exist behind me. Ah, uh, there in, we are. In... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, and and under the bed, and uh, I I try to I don't know how many I think on the shelf is about a thousand, and I'd say okay. I probably have another five hundred off the shelf. That's pretty amazing numbers there. That's pretty good. <laughs> it might be more. I I I really couldn't say. Um, they come and go. I I I, I you know the core collection is has stayed roughly the same. But I tend to if if I don't think I'm ever going to watch a movie again, I'll try and get rid of it. Just so <laughs> fair enough, yeah. You know, because it's because it is overwhelming, and at some point we will move and uh, and you have to move all of these. Now yeah. I will tell you just a, a brief story. My wife had uh, 25. Um, you know, you know what a milk box is like when you mm-hmm. I used to work at a dairy department, and you have the foot by foot box, not the crates, but a box that's the size of a crate. Sure, we had 27 of those full of VHS tapes. And yeah. I said, we're not taking all of those to New York with us when we moved here. And we, and we lived in an apartment the size of the room we're in now uh, yeah. when we started. So yeah, I like, know that feeling. No, no good. So so on that note, uh, Greg, when did you... How you know This is a podcast about New York, about music scene here sure. and everything. Uh, when did you come to New York? Like, Where are you from? And then, and then uh, how? what did you do once you got here the first time? Sure. Um, I'm from Long Island originally. Okay. Um, my mom is from the city. He grew up in Roslyn. Um, her side of the family, very Italian. Um, tons of siblings and such uh, all grew up. And so a lot, a lot of them stayed uh, in the city or close to the city. So I've sort of always grown up in the shadow of the city, but weirdly never really liked it. Never, never, I, I had a really skewed sense of it for a long time where 
Um, my grandma lives in Stytown and my aunts and uncles lived in like Kensington. And so I was like, oh, it's either like, it's either like really, really intensely busy or just total residential. And I, I, I didn't have any particularly great experiences growing up where, I, you know, so I, I, I was sort of I was a suburbs kid. OK, gotcha. And this was pr- what probably during the 90s and the yeah. early aughts then. Yeah. OK. So in terms of like because I don't meet many people who were like kids in yeah. that time. Most people like came here in the late mm-hmm. 90s as adults or were just here the whole time. Right. But, like, uh, was there a big difference to you? Because I guess you must have been, what, like 10 or 11 uh, on September 11th? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Give I was take. in 7th grade. Yeah. So so what was uh, what was your sense of what the city was like before and after? Did you get a sense of that? or? That's a, that's a good question. Not really. I, I didn't notice a profound change in that respect. I mean, obviously... I think as an adult looking back, I have a bit of a sense of how things changed on the island. You, and like, mi- you miss a lot when you're a kid. Too. Yeah. People protect you from a lot. Totally. Yeah. And like, sis- like I could see things on like a societal like level now and how mentalities changed and how, you know, uh, voting patterns and, and just like oh, how sure, like, sure, like yeah. Long Island became overwhelmingly red. Yeah, no. they were they were they had a knee jerk reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Colorado as an adult, uh, and I'll and it was the same thing. Very rapidly, people were like, "No, we got to do so." I've been wrong the whole my whole life. Yeah, and it was and and you know, there's a lot of factors going on there, but um, yeah, I I was a little too wrapped up in my own stuff to really have a sense of how much the the city changed in that respect. But yeah, especially because like you know coming into the city was very like we go to italian restaurants or like you you just go to little italy like every time actually no weirdly like it would be like you know we'd go to dumbo or we'd go oh really like my 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 uncle lived in dumbo for or brooklyn heights for a number of years and he literally i think ate at the same restaurant five days a week or or six days a week my wife's from uh, jersey italians (laughs) and it's the very much the same. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like we would every time we would go. I don't even. I imagine it's still there, but I haven't been <laughs> in in a number of years. But we used to go to Noodle Pudding in in Brooklyn Heights pretty much every time we came into the city, okay. and it just became tiring, you know, like that. So it was a very suburban kind of version kinda, of it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Or we would go to Times Square to go see a show, and I, and it was you know I guess as like a kid kid I liked Times Square because it was like you know it's, it's different. fun it's really cool if you don't ever go right yeah, yeah. And, and and you don't have to worry about or work there yeah exactly or go anywhere while yeah. you're there yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah or and you're totally oblivious to the traffic patterns of foot traffic and sure, you know, that sure. kind of stuff I was parking. back when they still had traffic there right yeah. so like uh, yeah I had a really kind of like it, it wasn't until maybe like late high school early college that I started to actually explore even though my mom always sort of I, I lived about an hour and a half away my mom always encouraged me she was like if you want ever want to go in at like 12 she would be like if you ever want to go in I'll give you money for the train I'll give you my cell oh, yeah. phone like that's you, a very interesting thing I like about New York too is that it seems like people are like yeah just send a kid in they'll be fine they'll figure it out totally and yeah. she grew up that way too where it's like she she was born she was born in Bushwick um, or Ridgewood and, and grew up in, in Roslyn, but had ties like her, my, her mom 
owned a cheese shop that she co-ran, you know, okay. when she was a young So woman. you could go into the old neighborhood and like people might know who you are when you walked by. Oh, possible. I yeah. didn't I didn't have that kind of relationship with it. But it was just very like my mom had always had good experiences, so it wasn't like she she wasn't one of these people that 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 was hanging out there in the 80s and and See, you're all everybody's like, gonna get you're gonna get murdered. Yeah, yeah, it was very like she was just like she's very trusting, very trusting of me. So, but I didn't really take her up on that because I didn't know what to do. I found I found the city very impenetrable, and I think it is. I think like if you are like Manhattan in particular, or like the, the I think city, the city in is. Yeah. I think I mean, like obviously, it's easy to find things to do. Yes, but yeah. if you're if you're the type of person that is looking for something any kind of specific and that isn't like seeing the touristy stuff or like right. like if you want to have some sort of experience that that feels semi-authentic i think it can be very difficult to know where to start right it's kind of like the old days when they you see somebody you gotta talk to the skeezy guy by the phone booth and yeah they'll tell you to go talk to this guy right and yeah. like and i think it's easier now um especially with the internet because like i'm talking we're talking about like i mean there were there was internet but like this was pre-social media. This was like right. pre, you know, like list articles. Very like, little internet. Internet was very much not where you found out about like the day-to-day things to do. Yeah. It and, was more like of whatever. And yeah. so like I was like, I was like, I don't even know what I want, but I, I want something that I can't find seemingly. So so it was, uh, it was only when I was in sort of college. And where did you go to school? Emerson in Boston. Okay, gotcha. Which gotcha. was also, that was the other thing is I, I also grew up loving the suburbs. I really identified with the suburbs and I didn't particularly like city life. And so Boston for me was a very great sort of starter city. Yeah. Well, cause know? it's also like a college town too. Yeah. yeah. It's really young. It's really easy to get around. It's easy to not feel overwhelmed, but there's enough stuff there that like, you're like, Oh, I could eat at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Like, 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 Oh, there are things and not at fancy at- noodle or whatever. It's called. Yeah, yeah, you go right. to three different restaurants that are open. And right. I think after that, and then sort of spending time in the East and West village and, sort of like sprinkling in other neighborhoods of Brooklyn beyond Kensington and like, you know, Brooklyn Heights, I started to get a sense of it. Um, and, and it was the, the, my idea to, to move here was more based on necessity, which was, uh, I went to film school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I went, to, I went to theater school. Sure. Yeah. So we know that how that and, ends. Yeah. And, and there's basically, you've got like two options and it's LA or New York. Um, if you want to have a career, if you want to really start a career. And I went out to LA for my final semester, which is like, we have a satellite campus. Um, and the idea is you get a, it's like work study almost. Yeah. You get a, you get an internship and you stay out there. And, and I did that and I didn't like LA. I really felt very isolated. I felt very like, like it was sort of ideologically opposed to what I wanted to do which was I felt very like everything in L.A. was uh, name based. It was it wasn't oh, in terms of like dropping names. And yeah, yeah, I, got yeah, I felt like everyone who I had all the alumni that that I would see all the people. It was very like, oh, like I'm working for this. Like my title is this. And There's not like, a lot of organic things that happen. It's very, very planned out and very like strategized almost. And it's like it's careerist and it's fine. And, and honestly, like that's what that, L.A. is for. And that's and and that's one of the one of those things that I've s- become much more okay with because I think at that point I had a very like almost judgmental reaction to it where I was like oh 
like well but 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 really it was at that point i was thinking of things i was like i want to create i want to be an artist of some you know of some kind and it feels like people here aren't making their own stuff they are they are working in los angeles in los angeles um they are working and and you know relaxing but they're not creating and and my whole experience at college and and pre-college was very based on productivity was very based on like kind of an east coast thing because i'm I'm a midwesterner and it's not like that in the midwest right right and i was and and the thing is like i'm very driven and i've always sort of been this way and like you know in in high school i had a my brother's friend who was like 33 and was like and i was like 16 and he knew i liked horror movies and he was like write me a zombie movie with kung fu in it and so i wrote uh an hour and a half with like a 90 page script and i'm sure poured your heart into it and i made it yeah and it got finished i made amazing i made an hour and a half movie when i was like 17 like like i'm i'm that kid yes i understand (laughs) i understand so like well that that'll feed into what we'll talk about in a minute the musical pursuits that you right. get up to too, yeah, right, and 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 so yeah, it was, I I was very turned off by the idea that one wouldn't just sort of take the city by the reins and you know ride until morning or whatever, and just like and like make shit, make shit all the time. That was my. Well, and I always say that there's no if you don't have a reason to be in New York, New York's going to spit you out. Sure, that's what I. That's my experience. Right, I've known plenty of people that are in California now because they were like, this is too much. <laughs> right. And, and, and in the meanwhile, I've sort of way chilled out on my, um, <laughs> sort of like ideological side, you know, where I'm like, I'm like, it's fine. That's okay. Like I was very, I think judgmental about the idea that like, you know, people didn't necessarily want to so like, Oh, you create... can't hang, you know, like that kind of thing. That no, kind of thing. I, I think I was more like, if you're, if you want to make movies, you should be fucking making movies, I understand. you know? Yeah. And, and I think that like, there's like a part of me that's like, I, I get the idea that people maybe want to relax. Like maybe you want to have a life, maybe you want right. to start a family. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. There's a different, different priorities and not everybody's cut out for, or even has the time to, to do really intense projects. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And, the, and, and, you know, yeah, big, long, extended projects don't necessarily work for people and don't always necessarily even work for me anymore. You know, like there's like lots of things. Yeah, I kind of want to I want to ask you about that a little bit later, too, because I've noticed through the grapevine that things are you're kind of like a weird sea change. It seems like. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, well, first, let me ask you. So you're doing you're, you're in college in Boston, like this kind of stuff. You're a film student. Um, at, at what point did the music thing kind of edge its way in or was it always there? And, and what were you listening to back then? Like, what was the stuff that really was like? moving you and keeping you in music kind of electrifying you so to speak so it's interesting is like i i guess music and movies were always sort of my two loves um i tried f- a lot in high school to start bands and it never really worked um and the suburbs are kind of that's a, i grew up in a suburb as well and it's very diff- the pool is very small the pool is small and and for, for one reason or another, I mean, basically, my, my older brother was a drummer, and so I kind of wanted to follow him, and he did not want me to follow him. Yeah, so a lot older, he's five years older. So, that's, that's yeah. yeah. So, just, him, just us. Okay. Um, but so I sort of started to play guitar, and I didn't really like it, and I started to play bass, and I liked it more, but. I sort of always, I think, pictured myself as a drummer, but he was very like, no, you can't be. You do you know. your own thing, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, My thing. I always really wanted to have 
bands and it just didn't happen and i always loved his band and going to shows and stuff um but i at the same time sort of really got into movies and so it was like this thing kind of edged out music you know and and i was able to do it and i was able to do it well and i think people really responded to it and so music became more of like a like a a love and a pastime but not a thing that i sort of actively i sort of like stopped playing bass probably when i was like 15 or 16 okay um and this is like early aughts right like early, yeah okay. yeah this would be like 2005 2006 trying to remember what was happening then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> musically right and i and i was like i sort of was really into metal before like 11th grade so like you know that's when metal really started spreading out into all the weird subgenres yeah too. yeah and then and then really got into garage rock and rockabilly and surf like between 10th and 11th grade so like 16 um yeah that's about right that's right a good exactly time for it, yeah yeah and sky that and had like a resurgence punk. that had a big resurgence though big resurgence sky and punk and rockabilly yeah. was when i was 16 17 sure and uh and boy it, it came and went but <laughs> yeah. yeah well and that's i mean that's you know they're those are musics made and played for by 16 17 yeah absolutely times, absolutely you know yeah. like like all those which is down the line honestly like for, for you know uh, rockabilly in the beginning right was made for by 25 year olds for 16 year olds right yeah um and so that was a, like that was predominantly what i listened to i'd say through through college which was like 60s garage rock you know like nuggets era stuff yeah that's um, my that's so good it's such good stuff too yeah 90s surf revival was big f with me like low straight jackets um reverend horton heat and those guys yeah reverend yeah. horton heat um did you ever get to see him not live it's he's um, he's like 60 now but he's yeah. still one of the he's the amazing guitar player i think i think he was always one of those people where i was like i would love to see him live so that i don't have to listen to his stupid lyrics yes. where i'm like yeah i'm yes, like yes. i'm like you're a great like guitarist and his he wrote some <laughs> the cool lyrics tunes, are terrible. but his lyrics are yeah, terrible they're awful <laughs> i found over the years that most of them are terrible yeah well yeah, yeah um but yeah, so that was sort of this thing. But the Mad Doctors, which is the first band I started out of college, was an idea that I had in high school, okay. um, and which is sort of a, a that's a consistent with me. I don't let ideas die; okay. they just change over the years, and I revisit them later. I and feel like that's a good way to get the ideas out. It's definitely. I mean, it's it's interesting seeing how things that I uh, that that come to fruition started you know yeah. and sort of the idea for the mad doctors in high school was as this like Alice Cooper meets low straight jacket so like an yeah. instrumental surf band with a really intense sort of horror themed stage show okay yeah and it was sort of the melding of my love of horror movies and my love of, of rock and roll right like kind of like a, a man man or astro man yes. meets Gorg. yes deal. yes yeah. exactly <laughs> all right. and then all two bands I also really like yes, yes. Um, I like when the record talks to me on the yeah. uh, on that, that man or astro man record yeah so in college, I didn't really pursue it. I didn't go to shows very much. There was there was a I actually I missed a lot of the sort of like new wave of like post grunge bands, like all the like you know sort of um, uh, Speedy Ortiz and and Pile and Krill, like all of those bands who that all were, have put out records recently. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. <laughs> like, but like they were they were just starting in the house show scene like they oh, were all like boston. in boston okay, when gotcha. i was there and i have friends from this is like what like eight years ago nine years ago yeah okay. exactly um 
And so I missed all that because I was too busy on set. Like I was, I was, I was grinding. I was making stuff. I was helping on set all the time. And so music for me was very like sort of secondary through college. And it wasn't until I got here, which would have been 2010, 2011. Um, and it basically came out of an outgrowth of Seth, um, who's the singer and guitarist of the Mad Doctors, the primary songwriter. Um, and I went to college together. He was my creative partner. and uh, Okay, interesting. Yeah, so right. he shot. So I would write, produce, and direct. He would shoot, uh, often edit, sound design. Okay, interesting. So, so the right. two of us uh, in college created Greth Productions, um, which was sort of our you know, little commune of, of filmmakers trying to like make, you know, weird, yeah, weird just make what you want to make. Yeah. And very sort of DIY, very low budget, very like we would always try to have these projects going. Um, and after college I was doing the film festival thing and getting, you know, jobs and stuff like that. And we were working on, uh, we were specifically working on one short, finishing it up, uh, out in Jersey where he was living with his parents. And, while we were like waiting for stuff to like render and process and whatever, we would just kind of go into his basement and jam. And it was just like this stuff takes a long time for the people who don't know about film. It takes a long time to render stuff digitally, right? Like it was, and then you know, in 2010, more so than now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, so we had yeah, we had extra downtime, and this was something we had kind of jammed out on in my garage when I lived in Boston, like out in Somerville. And by this point you own a drum set, I take it? Or? No, no, oh, no, no. Okay. I, and actually to this day have never owned a drum set. Really? Um, yeah, this That's was like, situation. I've sort of had this like interesting, like in college we jammed, you know, maybe three or four times, like very, very infrequently. It was like a, if we happen to have a Saturday afternoon free, uh, I found out that my garage, my one of my roommates had brought his drum set. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I was like, oh, cool, we can kind of jam out. And we like wrote a song or two, but it was very... Yeah. I did like, that with a bass guitar for many years where I was just like, yeah, just, I'll just use yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, it was, and it was like, f for me, like the, the, the sort of peak of that was um, we wrote a song and we kind of recorded it on like a field sound recorder and we put it at the end of one of our shorts. And I was like, that's cool that we like, you know, that's fun. And you, you know. avoid the royalty payment. Too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so we kind of just kept that going after college, but it was very like, this is like a time waster. We would like record stuff and be like, that's cool. But that sure. was not at all. And so the impetus to come to New York was to work in film was to work in film with totally. you and you started that company. And then, and then, I assume you still probably dabble in it or whatever, but what I work in film. Oh, okay. I, yeah, my day job is is in film intelligence. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so that has that's remained the dream a constant. right there. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's awesome that you that you got the degree and still get to do the job. I know a lot of people that fall off. Yes, and and I think that there was a minute where uh, I considered, and and you know there there are always questions about like long term plans and stuff like that. But but as as it stands, and part of that has to do with. Uh, the type of long-term employment opportunities there are in film and television. Um, but I've actually recently gotten a job that is sort of post-college, the first job, like long-term job that I like. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I like, awesome. I appreciate, I like the company. I like the content we're producing. Only took I, a decade to get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, and like, to be honest, if that's, if it takes a decade, then that's, that's life. That's, that's awesome. Life. Exactly. That's fantastic. And then, so, so you're doing that, like that's all, you know, lining up, I guess. You're still getting work. You're still doing film work and stuff. Mm -hmm. I assume your buddy is too. Mm -hmm. And then and then where does, 
so you get here and you're like, okay, we got to start playing shows. Like, how did that? How did that show? Because you were here, I missed out on it, but that you were here during the time of like the DIY venue, like boom. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sort of. Yes. Okay. So, um, so what? What after like you're doing the film work, you're jamming on weekends. What makes you decide? All right, we're gonna go take this out outside of the house. What's funny is. A friend of ours from Boston who went to Berkeley, who was like sort of of our friends, like the music dude. Okay. You know, was hanging out with us one day in the office where we're sitting right now. Um, That would have been where Seth's, because Seth and I also lived together here for for six years. I gotcha. Um, So where you're sitting is where, where Seth would be sitting on his computer. And he, and Trevor's, Trevor, Trevor Jude Smith. Um. It's sort of like overheard. We were like, oh, we recorded, you know, these songs and like, God, like kind of cool. You want to hear it? And he was like, this is really cool. I'm going to book you a show. Okay. And we're like, oh, all right. And he just goes like, uh, here's the date. Write some songs. Okay. It was very just and like, he's, is he in his early 20s at this time? Too, yeah, or? yeah. We're all That's 22, right. yeah, I love, 23, I, love I guess. Yeah. yeah. So this would have been, a, this would have been having lived here for, a year and a half. Okay. Um, and where was the show that he booked? Goodbye Blue Monday. I don't even remember that place. Yeah, Goodbye Blue Monday where is is was a spot um, where a lot of people got their. This start. is like 2011, 2012, probably. This would have been 2012. Okay. This would have been maybe. Wow. I'm trying. I'm just trying to remember the it, chronology. It does of it. not seem that long ago to me because my son was born at the end of 2011. So to me, I'm right. like, wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that that short ago. Yeah, right. 2012 was, yeah, it would have been February 2012, because I believe it was Oscars night was the show that was, was the night that was our first show. Okay. Um, what are your memories of that show? Did it was bomb? Bad. Was it awesome? Yeah, yeah. it was bad. <laughs> oh, was it I just mean, the two of you, or did you have No, a- it was, we, we got, we got, so originally Trevor was going to play bass, but he Really didn't have space. Or, and and or, just for the uninitiated, I guess, uh, the Mad Doctors is three-piece. Three-piece. Surf rock band. There were lyrics, the music I've heard recently. Yes. Were there, was it fully instrumental back then? or Yes. Okay. Pretty much. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I think the first show it was. So it was, we wrote some, so Trevor was going to play um, bass for us. He didn't really, and our friend Josh, who became our <laughs> bassist, didn't have a lot going on. Yeah. And he was like, I'd play with you guys. I like that. He didn't really. He just didn't do he it. He just, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, he was just like, he was too busy. He was, you know. Right. right. I think he was managing, um, oh my, i trying to remember his name. Oh, he was managing like an artist. Yeah, Christian okay. Christian McBride. Okay, gotcha. Um, or it was working for him, or he was working at the Jazz Museum. He, the, there was his chronology works. In, yeah, in, yeah, he had he had, he had something to do. But uh, yeah, Josh didn't have anything to do, and he was like, "I'll I'll play bass and never play bass." And this is sort of like, it was my first band. It wasn't Seth's first band. Seth's been in bands through, through high school, um, but it, and Josh also had, but never played bass. And so this was very just like we wrote whatever six songs, seven songs, maybe one of them had lyrics. Um, but I, I think we didn't play with a mic. I think it was, I think it was all instrumental and, and it wasn't good. I don't believe, Uh, Well, Um, you know, the first show you always gotta, you just gotta get it out of the way. Yeah. And goodbye blue Monday was a weird, cool space, but it was like a, you booked a time slot, right? you know, at a, like they just had an open calendar. It was free. Okay. You know, it was like, so you showed up and it was like almost like a battle of the bands without a judge. Yeah. Or, or like a, like a, like think of it as an open mic, but you had about a half hour and you know, you signed up two weeks in advance or something. I gotcha. Okay. 
Um, so a lot of bands got their uh, uh, got their start there. It's right right near Lone Wolf, if you know where Lone Wolf I is. I don't. Okay. It's on Broadway and okay. something. Um, so that's the first gig. That's the first gig. And then you get that out of the way, and then uh, <laughs> I, I take it somebody decided to book you a second time. I, I That was sort of where my... I, I'd say producerly like filmmaker instincts kind of jumped in. Well, it's the I, if I'm if I have an idea, I want to see it through. Yes, so, um, and if we don't play, I'm not seeing. It's going to bug me. Exactly. I, yeah. So it was sort of like, and and for me, it, it also came at a time where I came out of school swinging, like where I was like, I had like two or three short films that were completed that were doing the festival circuit. I had a bunch of ideas. Um, and I sort of was hoping that I would luck into a position where I would, you know, e- either feel creatively fulfilled or had a bunch of time to, like, pursue all this other stuff. But sort of the reality of it was I came out and I would work a production company job that was a really great foot in the door, but I really d- didn't like very much. You know, I didn't like I didn't like the content. I love the people I worked with. Right. They were great. But. I didn't like the company. I didn't think it wasn't effectively ran. It had a, a, a culture, an office culture of, as in many film um, co- production companies, of if you if you're not staying past your eight hours, then you're doing it wrong. Um, and so my days were consistently eight, nine, ten, eleven hours. And then but you're not making any extra money. I'm not making any extra money yeah. today, right? And I'm going home, and I'm applying to film festivals or I'm trying to write or I'm in pro post-production, you know? And so it's like my life became for about a year, year and a half was this very like cyclical, like I lived, ate, breathed movies. It was only movies. And at some point I know, you know, when you're 16, you're like, I'm so passionate about this. This is what I want to do with my life. And yeah. you, you move forward with it after like 10 years and you're like, this isn't fun. Right, and, yeah, and, and, and I'm not having fun anymore. And I and I was like watching movies and not having fun watching movies, and I was like my ideas. Became, you become very clinical. Yeah, my ideas became very like cut and paste. It was like, oh, it's this i it's this movie plus this movie equals this movie, and no one's made that combination before. So, oh, okay, I see. You know. Derivative is what what you would say. Yes, yeah. um, and I I started to feel very sort of bogged down by that and and I felt like I wasn't seeing people I wasn't being um I wasn't being social it was very like I saw people at work or I'd see people at screenings or right, but the connections weren't happening I I know, uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that now totally yes with the with the the you know uh internet culture being a replacement yeah know. and so it was like when the band started I was like we're not any good this is taking away from what I really want to do, but it's social and it's fun and it's light and it's easy. And maybe I just need to live a little bit more so that I have something to write about, something to. Yeah, like replenish the, the geyser of creativity, exactly. so to speak. Yeah. So that sort of was my impetus behind it. And I was just like, let's do it again. Like, let's I'm sure this, the next one won't be as bad. And like. <laughs> You know, we definitely had fun, even if it was, you know, right, right. even if you knew it wasn't particularly good. Um, and then that was sort of it. Like, that was sort of like I have You're off I, and running. huh? Yeah. I sort of have a bit of the, the the personality that just like 
I will keep it going as long as it's fun or, or as long as it's, I understand. You know. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. Now, now at the time, uh, cause it wasn't, I mean, again, to me, it doesn't seem that long ago. Um, what, what kind of places were you like really enjoying going to? Like what, what were the places that were around that you were like, yeah, this is the spot. Like I like, or I really like it here. Or like, you know, was there, were there places that you connected with more than others? Sure. Yeah. I mean, our first, our first show at Trash Bar, I really loved. Um, I remember Trash Bar. Yeah, it's not around anymore. No, it's it? not. It's yeah. not around anymore. Um, but again, another place where a lot of people got their their sort of first start. They were e- really easy to book. Um, I really, li- I liked the Gutter, which obviously I still around, still around. Right? around I haven't I, been there. That's where you had. So for the people who don't know, Mad Doctors did have their last show. Yes. Uh, and it was at. It was at the gutter. It was at the gutter. It was yeah. at the gutter, and it was. That was partially because that was one of our first. That was our first good show. Fair <laughs> uh, it was. How many a, shows did you have to play before that happened? That was, I believe, our fifth show. Okay. All right. Um, where or or it was the first show where we were like, oh, this might work. Yeah, you we know? got it now. We got the um, we got the hang of this. Yeah. It's like what you hear about stand-ups. You know, they go up and it's just like, the first few times they're like, oh, oh, that was bad. Yeah. But then you got to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, as far as like the DIY portion of things. To me, that actually became that came much later. Um, we sort of tried to get into the DBA and like uh, Big Snow Buffalo Lodge and Shea and Silent Barn, and I it was crickets, total crickets. Every time you would play, every time, or like, no, every, every, time, no, every time I tried to book, I yeah, just couldn't yeah. get a response. I I didn't quite understand how to approach it. I think. Well, I, and I also think like it's kind of as you described New York earlier, kind of impenetrable. It's mm-hmm. like you have to have the in. You have to know the right person to even get started. Or or like. or write or write an, an email that catches someone the right way or like 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 the you well, know Well, I'm sure now that you've kind of been running things on your own with the label which we'll talk about in a minute. Like you understand how it is like yes. so many emails, so many yeah. contacts. So so for me it was like and people were like, oh, just, like, go hang out at shows. I'm like, well, I, I do that. But also, like, I don't have the time to just, like, go hang out at shows all the time uh, to, to then hopefully talk to the right person to then maybe get a show. You know, like, right. I was like, I was well, like, that's I taking just, you back to that L.A. kind of style of doing things. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, rather than doing that, there's a handful of sort of um, above the line venues, uh, dive bars that had really low production costs and 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 but not a particular scene happening so like so really the first place that i got really into is don pedro okay yeah which was and a, don pedro's not around anymore is not around okay, anymore. Yeah. don pedro was sort of this legendary dive bar that came that that sort of grew a name in i think 2005 2006 when a show with king kind of the barbecue show and black lips had to get reassigned from uh, I think it was Music Hall of Williamsburg. It was like it was like this whole thing where the 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 show fell through there. Uh, oh, and I so guess Don Pedro were, was like, "Yeah, we'll do it." Yeah, there used to be a place called Crypt Records down the street from Don Pedro back when East Williamsburg in two thousand five was like sketchy and like really tough. Yeah, yeah. And so the guys that hung out at Crypt were all these like 
uh, were all the like garage rocker dudes and, and they knew Don Pedro, which is like an, an Ecuadorian restaurant and salsa club. There is so much of that in this city. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we're in a restaurant too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and it was like, you know, and they were like, oh, but it's like a dive. And like, they'll, you know, they're like, ah, let's just throw the show there. It was like this sort of last minute thing. And this was like right right before those bands like really blew up or right yeah. as they were blowing yeah, yeah around that time yeah and so he put out that first big record like right then yeah I, did, I think this was i think this was on if the stories that i've been told in my memory serve i believe this is on the tour the for good or bad or not evil got good bad not evil by, okay, by gotcha. black lips um, oh that one okay yeah yeah i saw them last year they were excellent yeah and well and so they you know there was like a line around the corner or of whatever course. and suddenly the the manager and the owner of don pedro are like i i guess we're dollar, gonna i guess dollar signs. yeah i guess we're gonna do rock shows yeah, like yeah that's yeah. um <laughs> that's a good way to trick them into doing it that if that bill being the first totally. bill and and it was like this thing where it was like it was a place where it, uh, you know for a number of years there would be great shows and there would be horrible shows and so it never really garnered a big uh like a like a consistent crowd so you know, you know what shows a place like that now is El Cortez. Sure. Yeah. Very yeah. much like that. And so when when we got there, it was like it was easy to book. It had no production cost. You can bring your own door person. And so I was like, I was like, this is great. So I sort of was like, rather than chase down and hound these sort of quote unquote cool tastemakers, I'll just make my own scene. I'll just start the the scene that I want to exist that I don't feel like in exists. theater school. They taught me, and I'm sure they taught you this in film school as well. Is if you can't find work, you make work. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great origin story. Now, now, how long did you do? So, so that's when you started booking shows. That's when I started booking shows. Okay, and and, and did I, you do that under a particular umbrella, or was it just like call Greg? Yeah, it was well. So, so it started. It started as like I, you know, we didn't know anyone in the music scene at that point, so I just started like reaching out to bands I liked, and we started playing out. But there was another dude named Matt Hendershot, who was in a band called The End Men, and we became friends. And he was like, you know, I used to do these monthly shows at certain places, and they were always really fun. Having something consistent, yeah, can like really place, like start, brand, yeah, start yeah. to have it starts to build something. Um, and so together we started something called the Saturday Revenge, um, which was like these like four or five band bills Saturday nights. It was once it was I think it was the second Saturday of the month. But and where, where were you doing that? Just at we did places? that at Don Pedro. Oh, we, okay. We, gotcha. we, we, we pitched it to Pedro. They were like, "Sure, great, do it." Like basically, like gave us the keys to the to the oh really the kingdom and okay let us sort of like do pretty much whatever we want and we had a host and. We had skee ball tournaments, and it sure. was like, and, and then was, they would, they would let you do what you want. You would give them their take, and that would be well. They, I mean, when I say like, they didn't literally give us okay, their takes, okay, but, gotcha. but but it was like they were like, it's pretty much like you have the room, right. to like yeah. do whatever you want, pretty much. Um, so we did that for about a year, and after that, their booker uh, left uh, to move to Portland to just like kind of start over, and at that point. I was picking up other dates, a decent amount of other dates, because we were starting to tour, and I was starting to become okay. friends with touring so Mad bands. Doctors, Mad Doctors is, like, picking up steam at this point. Yeah. They were like, you know, what if you became the booker here? And so I think if, uh, I think that was, like, April 2014. Okay. To, uh, 
I guess I probably would have done it to like October 2015. Okay. I was I was the booker at Don Pedro. Yeah, like a year, a year and a half. I was, it, uh, and then what? And then Don. That's when Don Pedro started to. They wanted down. to re. They wanted to rebrand. They wanted to turn it into a restaurant with shows, kind of. I got you. And so they sort of let me go, and it was, uh, to be honest, on fairly unceremonious terms. Oh, um, really? That's and too bad. It, it was mostly because I had done it, and I, I, I had sort of put a lot of work and a lot of energy and a lot of love into the space sort of to try to reimagine it and and like get people because it really had a bad reputation for a long time where it was like it was like if you can't get a show anywhere else you get a show at Don right Pedro. right right uh and so i wanted to turn it into a place that people wanted to play sure. and for a little while it was right. like and and towards the end we started to have a bit of a crowd like okay. a built-in crowd like yeah. people would be like oh i, I heard there were there was music so we came right. you know kind of thing um, and that was r- right around when things started to feel like we were like making some headway was when they, it's also around the time a lot of people started more and more people are moving out to this area. Totally. Too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, uh, they, I don't know, it was not making enough money for too long and they just didn't feel like they had it in them and they tried to make it a restaurant first and that really didn't work. And after about a year, after about, I think, maybe four months, they started to go back to the old model of it was mostly shows. And I think after about a year, it closed for good. And the and the building got sold. And the, That's how it and, goes. And it doesn't welcome exist to anymore. New, yeah, welcome you know? to New York City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was really like the the start of, of me was, was booking shows. Was, right. Was the start well, of me you make trying a ton to create of this community. You see new bands. You help your friends out, too. You're meeting more and more people and circulating. And so is that kind of where King Pizza started to come yeah. along? Yeah. So was that before, after, during Don Pedro? It would have been it would have been during. It would so I would have I would have started the Saturday Revenge. I guess I guess it would have been probably early, like maybe like January twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Okay. And then we did it about a year. Okay. So uh, at the end of 2013, we started to do King Pizza pretty much. I'm trying to so remember. What, so what made you want to be like, like re- was it like, oh, well, we're going to release Mad Doctor's music, so we might as well get this music out there? Like, what about it? Because I know people that run yeah. tape labels and other right. labels, and uh, all of them say the same thing, which is there's no money in it. There is no money. There's and anti-money yeah, in it. Yeah, and there's very little acclaim. It's just a lot of busy work, honestly. Like, it's, it's, a det- it's like doing a temp job that you don't get paid for. Yes. Um, so, so why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much what you said, which was, um, we were Mad Doctors were doing our thing, and I was reaching out to labels. We had a record that we were really proud of. We were reaching out to record labels and trying to see if anyone would want to press it. It's like talking to those other DIY labels that just can't get in the door, right? And so we, you know, I was like working a job at that point that I was making enough money to 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 do it and I was like and it was right as we were like again sort of making some headway and like meeting bands and like becoming friends with people and you I was were like touring and stuff by this point right? a, a little bit yeah okay. and like we were sort of like feeling that there wasn't a central nexus for what we wanted to do that there were there were the you know these DIY spaces had little scenes but at least it to our purview it was 
like, oh, this is a little bit more indie rock. This is a little bit more shoegaze. This is a little right, bit right. more dancey. Like, right. like we were like, we where do we fit in? Yeah, we were like, yeah. where are the young rock and roll bands? Right. And I we couldn't find it. And so I was like, I know that feeling too. It's like you're like, well, where do I go? Yeah, like where is the the place for it? Right? Yeah. Okay. So so at that point, I was like, okay, then. If I'm going to put out our record, then I know five great bands that have records that would love someone to love it. Now, and did you start out doing the comps, like compilations, or did you decide to do individual releases first? So our first comp, so so I, I made- And you have some great ones. Like the, my favorite one in the recent years is the Halloween one mm. that you put out. And Thank you guys have a, just this is a total aside- the artist that you work with, she's fantastic. Rachel, yeah. Rachel Adler, she's so fantastic. Yeah, actually, and, 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 and she and go under what's the the, the Hatch comic? Yes, yes. Her um, stuff is is really fantastic. She does almost all the flyers for the shows that you were doing. They do awesome work. Yeah, she's um, great. But anyway, sorry, continue. no, no, yeah. it's totally fine. Um, I, I'm just trying to remember the years on this. It was it was at the end. It, it was December 2013 is when I decided on the name. Is when I started to be like, I'm gonna make a label. I'm gonna start telling people about it. I'm gonna start talking to people about. Being on the label, you know that this is when the this is when I'm ma- I've made the decision is December 2013, and I work from de- December till June of 2014 to get all the sort of ducks in a row, and I start booking shows under the like King Pizza Records banner, and so the first things that we do, we I basically was like, okay, we're gonna come out the gate with Pizza Fest one. Which is a three day right. three day festival. Each day would be a tape release. So it was a triple tape release mm-hmm. and a comp. Okay. All within Might as well if you're gonna put the buzz out there, you might as well we're get it. We're gonna do a bit. Yeah, that's great. So that so June twenty fourteen was when our first three tapes and our first comp, um, music to make barbecues by. Okay. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And where did you have that fest at? We did two days at Don Pedro and one day on uh meg mancini from uh the rizzo's roof oh really yeah Hmm. she lived in a uh in a place that had a big ass (laughs) roof you could pull it off and you could get away with it and we could get away with it i don't think you know i don't think that it was necessarily a great idea but we did do it and no one got hurt and no one my old college town my friend was trying to put on a show punk show this is like 2001 <coughs> mm-hmm. and uh and the school it, it rained so uh we went to the garage behind the place where we lived there was nothing in it then we had to run power out we bought a bunch of us up the cords and the police <laughs> and the police showed up yeah, but we just kept playing until the police left. pulled the power right. cord. Right. <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping left but you gotta do it sometimes right yeah oh that's great so so that's the first kind of so very recent honestly and how many releases have you done uh to date like six years give or take it is, We're really yeah. like five years of like actively. Yeah. 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 Um, our next record, we we are at KP seventy one. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's like ten releases, more than ten releases a year. Yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. And do you have like a a person, like a pressing person that you go through and like contacts that you've made? Yep. In that regard. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And it just became this thing where it was like, again, this this sort of like by necessity thing that I was like, well, I'll do it. I'll see how it goes. If it sucks, then, you know, whatever. Yeah, then we'll I, I gave it happens. a shot. Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't there was no there were no big plans for it. Uh, the, the bigger plans were, were more on the community level. I wanted to try to create something 
you know, inclusive. I wanted to create something interesting. I wanted to create something that I felt like didn't exist. And that was more where King Pizza lied in my heart. And the tapes and the, you know, label stuff was, was sort of more of a means of just amplifying that. Right, right. And, of course. and I've been to a couple of King Pizza shows, and they are really fun. Thank you. They are super fun. I've I, the ones I've been to are always at Our Wicked Lady, mm-hmm. which uh, you seem to do quite a few. That's a yeah. great. That's a great. Club and they're too. amazing. And those and the people who run it are amazing and super duper supporters. I mean, I know uh, Rich, the sound mm-hmm. guy there. Rich is amazing. He did that Soundgarden show with me a few years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, he did. The, he played drums on a Chris Cornell tribute show. <laughs> yeah, he was amazing. Um, and Our Wicked Lady, it's a little bit, it's a, it's a little farther out there, but it's they, the rooftop shows mm-hmm. and everything are amazing. As a creative person, when you create something and it kind of takes on a life of its own, there's sure. always this point where you're like, wow, wow, like I'm going to remember that, mm. you know, or like that means a lot to me. Right. You know, is there something in the in the course of King Pizza where like you got away from that kind of clinical part of the, the film industry and stuff like that? Right. Something that really did like, oh, you know, to draw the line between those two, you're like, wow, was something that was the pinnacle of the social and the community and the, right. the creativity. I'm trying to think of like what would be a good story. The the, the, the answer is yes, I, and and thankfully I have them all the time. Well, it doesn't have to be a huge story either. Yeah, just, right? You know, like what, what's a little, what are some what are just briefly like some bright points for you? Sure. I mean, it's it's always amazing. I mean, like Pizza Fest is always this big love fest. You know, it's you're always still, you're still doing it. Every we're year? still doing it every year. We've done. Yeah, we just finished our sixth one. And and they're always really amazing. It's always awesome because it, it's when everyone comes out like in, the, oh, in their best clothes. And, yeah, 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 and then to to get beer spilled on it. And um, yeah, it's just like you you start to see how it means to people. You start to see um that the the, the, the things that can be tough when you're doing something like this especially on a long term is it's sometimes hard to see the forest from the trees um and as you described it's sometimes thankless and it's often thankfully for me thankful a lot of people are very um supportive and are very vocal about their support well and you're seeing younger people i imagine too because that's the thing about like punk and garage kind of scenes those rockabilly scenes like there was a wave when i was a kid we Mm -hmm. got about 10 years between us just about like there was one when I was a teenager. There was one when you were a teenager. Yep. You say it's music kind of made for those. And then I bet there are kids you go to, you play an all ages show like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you run into that, that kid's playing guitar for some band that reaches out to you five years later. Right. You know, like it, it's uh, when you're trying to build something with inclusivity, that's I, I always appreciate that because New York can seem people think New York is a very hostile place. Right. And I actually do think that like it's friendlier than people give it credit for. I think it's totally I think it's totally friendlier than people give it credit for. And I think it's I think it's tough because it's just people just don't have the time. And, yes, and, absolutely. And and we, you know, it's like it's one of those things where it's like there's just so it's, it's there's so many people and it's so easy to get tied up with things mm-hmm. that it's and like, overwhelmed by the sheer density. Right. And of s- stuff and so it's like I think people are curt, you know. I think people are are short, but it's not for lack of like affection or love. It's more for lack of time. Where it's just like it's easier for me just to be like, no, you know. Like. Yeah, well, it's the rhythm. It's the rhythm of the city. Yeah, as Midwesterners are are famously uh, passive aggressive, <laughs> and and my favorite thing about New York City is that nobody is like very. I, that's not right. true. But very like right. People are just aggressive. People are just like <laughs> yeah. 
and they're like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, do you want to do? Th- yeah, yes. we do. Why are we still talking about? It? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, All right, let's go. But uh, where were we? That's oh, right. Oh, well, just like, about, yeah, little bright points in the in the King Pizza history. I mean, it's just you know, like I said, it's Pizza Fest to me is always this big sort of refill of emotional like love because it's always like everyone's always feeling great. People are always there to party. People are always very vocal and like and really like I love it when people kind of come up to me and they're like, I just found my new favorite band. That's a really good feeling. That's, yeah, that's always awesome. that's and, and it happens multiple times at every pizza fest. That's fantastic. So that is that's always a really nice moment where I'm just like, that's what th- that's what this is all about. This is all about, and it's and what's great also is that it's different bands. It's not like oh, it's this one band is clearly just like like better. the star, yeah, 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 and like and like everyone loves them. It's like it's like this person loves this band, and this band member loves this other band that they've never seen, and and it's just like every- I like those little interchanges too because I've seen this with some of the King Pizza bands where they switch members mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and it does have a very familial feel to it. It it. It is very incestuous. Yeah. Once you, well, it's rare with labels, even now, like everybody's shooting so broad or so specific. Mm. Like it's really cool to see like a localized, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not a bubble even, but it's just like contagious. It's a it's a little community, and and that's the thing that I'm the proudest of because that's something that you anyone can make tapes, anyone can make records. A community is not something that comes out spontaneously very often it is it it, it's tough because i think people often want it and don't realize that someone has to create it (laughs) right and maintain it yeah if not you then who right yeah yeah. and 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 not just me you know it's like you can't have a one-person community it's not like um there has to be inclusion there has to be willing participants there has to be people that make it a point even if it's just sometimes you know it's it's not but like Without it, it dies. That is a thing where it's like it's it, because I could try and push it. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. The fact that it has taken, it's almost like you can plant you, you seeds. Can't, you can't carry it all by yourself, like yeah. you were saying a minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like so that's I'd say the thing that I'm the proudest of because because people are really meeting people who they're becoming close friends with, who they tour with. Some people have met significant others it shows some of those people have gotten married or are getting okay. married or are close to getting you know like things I'm like not that they're gonna remember that forever like then king pizza has a life of its own past even if something happens to you it has that life past that as well which is uh i imagine pretty amazing feeling as well. yeah exactly and so it's like to me that is that's strength because it's like music is amazing but it but it is a in in its best sense it is a uniting factor it is a means to create happiness and joy and love and bring people together and if we've done that then it's more powerful than selling a million copies of something you know i love that attitude (laughs) so i mentioned earlier you got kind of a sea change coming on so like i've noticed that uh you're not really going to be booking a whole lot more shows Mm -hmm. it seems like uh, and Mad Doctors kind of wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Was there like a, with it? You don't have to get personal about it. No, but no, like, no. was there something that kind of like 
drove that? Was it fatigue? Was it just aging out? Or what, what, uh, what made you take a step back? And then, and then uh, into that lead into the, because you've got a new project going on, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd like to hear about as well. <laughs> uh, yes, there is a sea change happening. Um, the Mad Doctor's ending, it was just a matter of, we ran out of ideas. Fair, fair <laughs> uh, enough. And and you we don't want to start rehashing all the old stuff or whatever. Yeah, and it was fun. And like we had a lot of fun, but we had a harder and harder time writing new material. And we took it as a sign of like, okay, it's been a year, and we and we've written maybe like one or two new songs. Like it's it's really it feels like we're sort of pushing this boulder up further and further uphill. And maybe that means something rather than and also just like there's like a physical toll that it takes on people. Um, and so we, we took it as a sign of like, you know what? Maybe this is the end. Maybe this is what this, this is the, this is the natural progression for this band. And that's okay. Like rather end it feeling good about it before we try to make it into something that it isn't. Or you just get bitter about it. Or we just get bitter about it. Right. So we were like, let's do that. That's fine. And, um, Lumps, which is the other band that I'm in. Um, oh, that's the band I saw you with. I've actually never seen Mad Doctors, but I saw Lumps uh, at Our Wicked Lady, mm. and that was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. And we're still together, um, but our singer just moved to New Hampshire to go to grad school, which was something that was in in the cards for... I saw that guy take a beer can to the face at that show. <laughs> <laughs> um and that was something that that we knew was on the books for a long time, and we're still and we're still a band, and we're still recording, and we're still going to work on stuff. Um, That's the nice thing about the digital age is you can community can travel with you totally. Yeah. And and the plan is for us to tour and to keep being as active as we can because it's super fun and his songs are great. Um, That's awesome. But uh, but that band is you know he he started in September, so that band has slowed down obviously fairly substantially. Um, and so with that, I was sort of like, okay, I've been very, very busy from the moment I left college until now. Re- really since... The better part of a decade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really since, you know, I graduated high school, if I'm being honest. And, and I feel like with a lot of people, ambitious people have this sense of, we say... You know, when things slow down, I will blank. And you fill in the blank with it. You're like, I'll travel more. I'll spend more time at home. I'll relax. I'll d- d- learn Tai Chi. Like, wh- like whatever it is. All stuff you add. It, because people look at that as like, well, when I have free time. But you really have to make time. As a guy who's been around a little bit longer right. and has kids and responsibilities and shit. You have to make like, it. You have to make that time. And I, and that's something I've learned over the years. And I, and I'm, I thankfully learned some of those lessons early. You know, where it's like vacations are very like i'm i i've been i've been a a big proponent of vacations since you know maybe 23 which is i think five or six years earlier than most friends yeah yeah because a lot of people couldn't afford it they couldn't you know they were like if i leave then i'm gonna come back i'm not gonna have a job you get blinders on for sure but yeah so that like i definitely over the years have learned how better to make time um but even still, you get excited, especially when it's creative projects. You want to say yes. I love saying yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I, I will, I will say yes to all the cool things until sometimes I have said yes to so many things that the things I love to do are no longer fun. Right. Um, right. And you think, oh, 
I'll never have another opportunity like this or the, right. oh the opportunities will dry up. Right. But and really, they don't. Yeah. They you do. know. They don't. I have been doing that more and more and I've gotten better and better at that. But this was a moment where I was like, okay, my two main creative projects are ending. Or at least one's on hiatus and one is bigger. Ending. The bigger part of the last few years. Yeah. Right. And then and I was like, maybe this is a time for me to take a bit of that time you know that that time where i'm like maybe i give myself a few months like something that like for most people i think would be very like easy to uh lose a couple of months you know or you know that to me doesn't exist i don't i don't not do things for months i barely don't do things for weeks you know it's like if i don't if i don't do something for a week i'm like i like start to like go stir crazy yeah yeah they're hallucinating yeah (laughs) um so for me, I was like, I, I think that I need a little bit of uh, a little bit of a break, a little bit of a, a, a time to readjust and see what I want to do moving forward and sort of figure out what the next steps are. And this break is happening naturally already sure. outside of myself. Right, right. And so maybe it's a good time to lean in. Maybe it's a good time to do a little soul searching. I just turned 30, you know, there's obviously like a little bit of that, like, okay, you start to reflect on the past decade and you say like, what did I do that I appreciated? What did I do that I think I could have done better? Like, what can I learn? How can I learn from these mistakes? And what can I cut out that doesn't bring me as much joy as, as, as it is work. Me taking a break from booking shows. I think that's a natural thing anyway. I think people who book a lot of shows, unless you're doing it professionally need a bit of time in between because it's like, especially when you're playing in bands and, and busy. Yeah. Otherwise it's like New York's already a very busy place. Yeah. For me, it was very like I, I stopped seeing new bands and a lot of bands started to either get less busy or break up or whatever. And, and so my pool is getting smaller and my, sh- the shows I'm booking are getting samier and I'm like, and and I'm like, and so the good shows are great, and the bad shows are getting worse, you know. And I'm like, and, and I'm like, and I'm no longer doing a service to touring bands by booking them a show that ultimately sucks. And I felt bad, and I'm like, I'm like, but I want to say yes because I want to be helpful, especially people who've helped me. We're also at a strange place where I've noticed, like, like and maybe you can speak to this because you've lived here longer, but mm-hmm. like well, we've been back. I I got here around the same time you got back from Boston, mm-hmm. and it seems like every few years. There's like a call mm-hmm. when it comes to venues. Yes. And then you're like trying to figure out what shit, where do I book another, like, how do I yeah. book this again? I mean, I, I feel like just from anecdotal evidence, um, I mean, I, I am a booker at the gutter, um, and I book other shows at our wicked lady. Um, and maybe last year it would have been easier for me to get people out to the gutter and now it's easier for me to get people out to our wicked lady. Um, and I think that that has to do with people move. I think people are moving further and further east. Everyone's living in Ridgewood now rather than rather than Bushwick or rather than East Or for me to go. Yeah. Totally. And so it just as people are moving, they're like, well, I could go to the venue that's 10 minutes from my house or, you know, like three subway stops well, or and, five subway or, stops. And I can play at the venue that's 10 minutes. That's from 10 my minutes house. from my house. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is, I agree. There is a, there's, there's often a large scale die off and then a large scale 
you know. That's what I love about this city the most, and I think it's more than other cities, or it's more advanced than other cities. It's, it's a very much a living organism. Yes. That changes uh, all the time. Yes. Like I live whether you like it or not. Yeah, whether you like <laughs> it or not. Like, I live in a neighborhood that went up in value very quickly mm. to, like, ridiculous, like, a lot of Comedy Central, fo- like, famous Comedy Central people suddenly just showing up. Whoa. And uh, when I moved there, it was not that way. Right. And now I'm just kind of waiting. For it to I go I don't want to go down. anywhere. Yeah, I'm right. just kind of waiting for it to stop. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I feel that. Waiting for the bubble to burst. Uh, so so you so you had this natural kind of like slow down time. Have you been taking advantage of it? How's I, it how's it been? I, I mean, Mad Doctors literally. You, it was just like a week ago, right, or two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it was it was last it was last Saturday. So it hasn't happened yet. I'm, I mean, it has in in smaller ways where it's like shows have become less frequent. Um, but so moving forward right now is a, is kind of actually the start of. All right. My free You're period. At the threshold. <laughs> yeah. And it feels great so far, to be honest. I mean, what's great, and the thing, one of the things I realized, and one of the reasons why I wanted to really um, take this as a break is because I find that when I'm more relaxed, I come up with better ideas. Sure. You know? Um, and so I want to, I want to get bored. Right, right. You, know, you wanna I, you wanna you wanna see what's been scratching at the back there and what's ready to come out, right? Yeah. yeah. And so like I think boredom is this is, is is a weird thing. I think it's a necessity for humans um that we've tried to eradicate. Oh my god, and to with great success I would say. Right. It's yeah. really easy to never be bored, but it means that you I think it it the mind it, doesn't go anywhere that it's not led in my experience. Yeah, yeah. Right. And like and for me it's like I notice it when when things to clear up when I go on vacation, if I have like a free day, if I'm, you know, even if I have like a long shower. Yeah. You know, <laughs> your brain starts to do magnificent things. Oh, yeah. You start to come up with ideas that are great that are way more free form, that are way more almost like childlike and giddy. Right. For, and for me it's uh like not listening to podcast. Strangely enough, I'm making a podcast right now, but not listening to podcasts, like not having headphones in while you're walking around, mm-hmm. like little things like that. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. You dive into a a, a a well of creativity that otherwise is just like, no, I'm down here while every you know while you're stuffing your head full of information that maybe you don't need. Right, and so and so like I, I'm I'm trying to sort of like. Be like, okay, well, what is it like to be bored as an adult? Because it, it, it's rare that I am, to right. be honest. Or like, or the boredom isn't the right kind of boredom. It's like, a, it's like you're like, a, I don't want to do work, right? But right, I have right. to, like, so I'm just gonna scroll, like, right. like that. I don't think that that's the same kind of boredom. I, I'm the boredom I'm talking about is like, I don't have anything to do. I don't have anywhere to be. And your bra- you can it's almost a, it's, it's like it's almost like a meditative yeah. yeah it's almost like a meditative state and it's something that I feel like I had a lot of as a child and I think a lot of children have yeah. and it's why you have imaginary friends and it's why also you and, and, and make that's up the thing about the suburban experience right. too is that like if you're lucky there are other kids right but there probably aren't right you know and you had an older brother he says quite like five years older yeah. I had a little sister mm-hmm. but we had woods like mm-hmm. yeah. woodland and stuff totally. And like, You'd be out there, and there's nothing to do, and this is pre-internet, really. And you just made up games. Yeah. And they were awesome. You had to. And sometimes they weren't, but, right. like, you have to get through the bad ones to get to the good ones. Well, and that's our gift as humans, I think. Right. <laughs> you know. 
So, yeah, th- I'm trying to, like, lean in. I'm trying to give myself a bit of that time off that I have been trying to get better at giving myself. But 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 really, like, if I'm being honest with myself, I've been depriving myself of for probably the better part of a decade. Sure. And so I'm like, okay, clearly I have a, a whole bunch of movies. <laughs> like, I yeah. want to try and travel more. I want to see stuff that I don't normally because I find that when I'm in – when I'm busy, I – don't want to explore sure. you know i don't want to well, and you've lived here your whole life more like in this area mm-hmm. your whole life too which is a little different some people have the experience of like like i live i haven't lived where i grew up for 20 years right and uh and so you're oh like i'm always like i'm still exploring new york city i've been right. here for a decade and i and i do too i mean like like there are tons of parts of the city that i have not, never been and 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 parts that i want to that i've been talking about going, and that's what i mean where i'm just like what if I had the time? Like, what if I had the brain space to really, like, consider that and be like, okay, I've got a free weekend. Maybe I go and hang out in the Bronx. Right. I don't spend it's, any time in the Bronx. It's kind of like, the same thing as that you apply to your creativity, right? right? That same doggedness that you have, yeah. and you're like, okay, I, I have this idea in my head. I'm going to get it done. But you have to – it seems counterintuitive to apply it to leisure. Right. You know? But really, leisure is just a different kind of – you know right productivity input, right yeah. <laughs> yeah so so let's uh tell me a, a brief bit because I, I saw that you have a project coming out with your new buddy uh or not your new buddy it's a, it's he was also in the mad doctors mm-hmm. right so you're doing kind of like a two-piece thing now what's and do you want to tell people about that or well that's actually that's that's not even new that's that we've been doing that oh for what is a it called time. what's the name the of fuck the tons oh okay gotcha uh, it seemed like there was a focus coming on it maybe i just saw it at the end of all this focus so you've been doing that for a little while already the fuck tons kind of became an offshoot band from the mad doctors that was um seth would write songs that didn't quite fit for the mad doctors it seems like you're going the bluesier angle yeah it's a little bluesier it's a little surfier it's a little like garagier like the mad doctors got heavier and louder fuck tons was more of his outlet for like more of that 60s stuff more of the like rock surf comp kind yeah of deal, yeah and it was like ne- never a band that played particularly frequently but we would try and keep you know keep it keep it up you fill out a bill or whatever yeah. totally right. um we are still doing it i mean you know even though the mad doctors are ostensibly done the fuck tons will still play probably about as much as we we ever have yeah, yeah. but yeah i mean i think that that was just a confluence of Playing the Psychic Luau, um, which is a you know that's a like festival. Your, that's like your other festival. That's right? the other festival yeah. that we do, which is an all day, yeah, like, sort of outdoorsy. You know, a city reliquary mm-hmm, in their backyard. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, um, yeah, sort of the idea being this like, end of summer bash, um, and that was like we were like, oh, that'll be our fuck ton show. You know, if the Mad Doctors would play Pizza Fest, the fuck tons will play the Luau. Um, but that also happened to be we also had a BTR session that came out around the same time. So it was just like kind of good timing. Yeah. Yeah. Everything um, kind of synced up. And to be honest, Seth and I are going to continue to, to make stuff. We have a recording project that I drum and front called power children. Okay. That is very like seventies biker Rocky type right. stuff. Um, and we're going to continue to do stuff and hopefully, you know, with more frequency, but, um yeah like my 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 goal right now is i'm just like okay we'll put a pause on all this stuff yeah and you know take a minute take a minute take reflect. a little breather. i yeah. think everybody uh the one thing i've been coming across more and more uh with the world that we live in right now is that uh it seems to me that one thing that human beings are endlessly afraid of 
is it's looking reflecting. is yeah. looking at them looking into themselves and somehow uh exploring and maybe accepting the parts about themselves that they don't like sure and uh, it seems like some people are existentially afraid of that. Yes. And, uh, and and we're in this world where like reflection is like a terrible thing. Right. Like, you know. And that was something. It, it's interesting you say that. That was actually something I had to work on in college very very specifically because I think I I struggled with you know some form of like adolescent depression sure. like no, nothing I, like nothing clinical but like becoming very sad very morose as a kid I hate to say it. sorry part of the motorcycle game yeah. that just went by during this, this, oh, yeah, this yeah, nice right. moment um i think a lot of kids go through it but i think the way i coped with it was to sort of forget about it and try to create a persona of that was happy you know that it's like a very common thing I think. right yeah. i think it's super common but it meant that at some point i had to then deal with the idea that even though I'm outwardly happy and inwardly happy in a lot of respects, but that I had really, to be honest, awful self-esteem and the sort of uh, effects of that being this sort of intense um, critique of myself and uh, almost an unwillingness to be alone you know, where I it's just like a suit people of, like that. Right. Yeah. Of course. I think, I think, I think many artists experience a, a very similar thing and it was something that i noticed particularly in college especially as i was creating and seeing some people do better and blah, and i was like and and being very critical of myself um and there is in as far as i know that like a it's the yardstick of in in film i feel like tends to be a little more uh sharper edged than in music sure yeah. right and the thing is is that like i mean we're talking especially at that point like very small um you know like increments there but like but i would but i would get really down on myself and i, and I found that i was like i really don't like to be around myself alone and and that was at a point where i was just like maybe i need to do something about this because it's it you know this is something that clearly I think I had known about myself for a number of years and just never really, never really dealt with and uh, sort of was like, maybe it'll go away, it'll, I'll outgrow it or whatever, and it didn't happen. And I, and I had to do very active work at that point to start to understand myself in a more intrinsic way and start to listen to myself in a, in a bigger way. Do you think that there was like a trigger for that? Like there was something that made you like, was it somebody in your life or something? Cause a lot of people at that time will turn to alcohol or drugs. Right. You know, and they're like, sweet, I found an escape. Right. I found an escape vehicle. Yeah. Uh, but what, what was it? What was it at the time that made you actually like look at, was it just, do you think it was your upbringing or like, did you yeah, have that's a good question. I actually don't know. I remember, I feel like I remember the moment but it wasn't anything profound. And part of it is I didn't I was I was sober until I was twenty one. Same. Yeah. Um I remember being in my dorm room, I must have been a sophomore when when I was having these sort of this this starting of this. And no, I what is interesting, I mean, I had gone through the a breakup with um sort of my uh, girl I was dating for a couple years in high school and she was a little younger than me um but i don't think that that was really the the, the impetus i th it, because it was a number of months after that that this happened um, it had been percolating at least yeah but, yeah, yeah but it was like there was just a moment where i was just like 
I think I was just feeling really down on myself and really like, why are they doing well and I'm not doing well? And I was just like, I think this a lot. That's a problem. Right. Like, and like, and I think that was like, it was just a moment where like, rather than like starting to like blame other people or, or like, or funnel it into like working harder or, or, or any of the things that I would do to distract myself. I think I was just like, I think I need to be real with myself. I think I need to like do something about this. Cause this isn't going away. Yeah, I got to deal with this. It's got to kind of from the angle of like drinking or whatever. Like, uh, I don't drink as much. And part of it was I'm tired. I was tired of waking up feeling this way. Right. You know, and there's always that point where you're like, ah, I'm tired. And you just didn't even go. You were just like, I'm tired of feeling this way. Yeah. I was just tired. And, 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 and I was like, I'm tired because I, I feel like I'm happy and I present myself as happy, but I don't always feel happy. And that was a really hard thing for me to deal with was where I'm like, I'm like, I want to be happy, but I'm not. Right. Right. And, and, and it's that, it's that knowledge of it's oak. That's fine. Right. And it's fine and, to be that way sometimes. And yeah. and like learning to and I think for me it was it was a, a dismantling of a lot of those uh judgments. And I mean I'm still doing it. Like this is you know, it's an ongoing project, but but it is one of those things where it's like I became very aware of why I felt things. I became very I became intensely reflective because that was the only way that I knew how to move forward was, was I was like clearly I have these hangups and clearly I have these these the, these things that 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 you know uh, these trigger portions and and I also I also it became it became very crystal also within relationships where I was like okay I dated a girl where I wasn't a good communicator sure. and ultimately that led to us breaking up i mean i think we would have ended were you doing all this though i gotta ask this because like some so i go to therapists a lot of people mm -hmm. do i recommend it for everybody mm -hmm. uh you were just doing this on your own this you is were on my doing own. the work on your own yeah but uh, it, <laughs> earlier when you were describing yourself i was like that's a that's a type a like yeah. that people describe as a type a and i've never heard of anybody being so effectively type a that they were able to do that work without the like a therapist. I think that's amazing. I it's think weird. Yeah. I mean, it is weird. It, it It is funny because there is a part of me that wonders if at some point in my life I will become a therapist. I hear it pays pretty well. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's only because it's only because I, I, I like, I don't necessarily think that I'm particularly talented in a lot of respects. Um, and that's okay. That's not like a, like a judgment. It's more of like a, an observation of like, I'm a good curator. I know sort of people. Sure. I can sort of like see th lines. Right. I can sort of see. Well, and you can put the work in too. Right. Yeah. And so it's like one of these things where it's like I find that I I I I feel like I am intuitive, and and I and that has been backed up by people who I've sure. talked to. And it'd be weird if you thought you were intuitive. Right. Well, <laughs> no, I think if, yeah, I think yeah. I think most people do think that they're intuitive. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the other. That's the, the hard thing. Feeling intuitive will work better, I guess. But yeah, but yeah, no, I was just doing this sort of on my own and I did it on my own for a long time. I, I, I saw a therapist for a couple of months, maybe, I guess it would have been I guess it would have been a year and a half ago, and it was very nice. And I and I would have. It's I I it, I think the, the government should pay for it for everybody. Well, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and I, and it, it that helped me. She that therapist was the person who sort of clued me into the the idea of being um, so having so many things on your plate that you love that you no longer love them. That like the idea yeah. that like the, the the jump from being like. 
all of my time is being spent doing things I love. Shouldn't I just be happy all the time? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? right. It's just not natural. Right. But yeah, this was like this was like a time where I was just like I was sort of like working through a lot of it. And, I, and I, like I said, I sort of had this relationship that went south because I was a bad communicator. And then the next relationship, I was like, we we got to make sure that we communicate really well. And so I was being very and then she was a bad communicator. Right, right. So I sort of lived both sides of it. Yeah. And then I met my my wife, Anne, and we became this very like outwardly communicative like like it was like we have to talk about everything all of it you, all the stuff that you don't think matters matters all the things i think don't matter we yeah. gotta just we just if it doesn't matter then it'll get dropped once we talk about right, it right, but, right. but we but gotta the, talk about the, it. the committee will will turn it down yeah but i i'd say being in a relationship with her really was very illuminating because we just were able to get to each other's core because of that, it let us really like understand ourselves through each other. Yeah. You know, that's the uh, that's the dream. I think. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I uh, I think reflect. I I agree with you that I think reflection and reflexivity is are very tough, and we don't in this country really have a lot of the language for it it's not really taught in like school in the way that it should be oh yes well i have a whole theory about that that we'll talk about over a beer sometime <laughs> in um, terms of being a traumatized nation right and well and like and like it's easier like like if you, it's so much easier to run right and keep going forward yes. like it's like and which is as animals what we're really good at exactly and know? that's like it's like it's almost like what we're doing therapy is almost undoing all of the things that we're our brains are made to do to protect us. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So it's it feels because unnatural because it is unnatural. Modernizing us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's like normally it's like, oh, well, the lion ate Billy, so don't go towards the you lion. Fucking run from that lion, man! <laughs> you like, smell that lion? Let's get out of here. <laughs> Before we close out, like, yeah. uh, um, you've lived in New York adjacent mm -hmm. your whole life. Uh, you live in you know Brooklyn right now. Is there something about New York that after all these years, you still like what? After all these years, what do you still love about New York City, and why? Like why? Why are you still here? Uh, Aside it, from work, sure. Guess, yeah, uh, it's always going to be the people. You know, if I didn't have the the kind of support system, like you could strip away everything. The city doesn't mean anything without the people in it. That's right? true. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful city. There's a lot of access to things, but it's but it's all very meaningless without the culture and without the love and without the and and the outgrowths of those things. Oh, you know, sure. like music and food and like all the and like all the whole art. It's the whole melting pot idea that we were taught in school that seems to piss people off now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like uh, you know, and that's uh, as a person who grew away from like New York seems very small to me mm -hmm. in comparison to how it seemed right watching it as like a pop culture thing from afar mm -hmm. like oh it's enormous and then you get here and you're like no it's not right it's just that everybody's on top of each other yeah you know but, but you see but, but you just see even on the way here like what some guy you asked me i was like yeah i was uh, some guy stopped me and you're like yeah to turn something on because we're in the high holidays right now i guess yeah and, uh, some guy had, had me come up to his apartment mm -hmm. to turn on his air conditioner mm -hmm. for him 
And yeah, like, it's Sukkot. That would never happen where I was, where I grew up. I like there was nothing like that. Everybody looked like I did. Right. You know. So it's I. That's. I agree with you. To me, yeah. that's my. That's a very fun part of it for me. Uh, yeah, and just like the fact that it's like, I have wonderful friends who support me, who I love to support, and like I, you know, I live a life where it's like I see friends minimum five days a week that's awesome you know and that's that's not the case everywhere people lead different lives elsewhere and what's great is it's like sometimes it's like we're having you over for dinner and we're just like making food or like sometimes it's like let's watch vhs tapes or like let's go to one of the you know whatever five awesome movie theaters that we frequent uh let's go see a show let's go to an art opening let's you know go bowling let's go to this insane art installation that will well, be here the, for two days. And that's like the through line that you put through all, almost everything we've talked about tonight is that community mm-hmm. that you're trying to build. And now you have it. Now I have it. And that, and, and it is really a, a part of being a healthy human being. It's like kind of our adaptation. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's the thing. And like, and what, what's interesting is like, you know, again, like being reflexive or reflective uh, and knowing, realizing that I'm like, Oh, I started a production company, quote unquote, in college because I wanted a community of filmmakers. And then I come out and I start making music. And within a year, I'm like, oh, I'm going to start a record label to create a community. And and I didn't at that point make that connection about like clearly (laughs) I (laughs) want to do things with other people right right (laughs) right right. but I am very like like pack oriented I'm very like like I don't I don't really care about what the larger society thinks of me but I, I care intensely like about you know what what my friends think you need your you need your people yeah and like and and that that to me is is the most sort of powerful and palpable thing. And it's like, and I want to love them, and I want them to love me, and I want everyone to feel good and supported. And all of it becomes like life just becomes a lot more fun and interesting if you're doing it with people. And you know, like, and especially if those people are good and want to be there and want you to be there. Right. And, you know. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I think that's a good place as any to wrap it up. Uh, oh. To to pay cheap uh, <laughs> a cheap tribute to your Italian heritage, Greg Hansen, when you're here, your family. Ah. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, so where where can people continue to follow your adventure? Where do they where do they look and dig around on the internet or in real life to find you and what you're up to? Sure, KingPizzaRecords.com is always easy. I mean, we're, you know, heading on on number seventy one. You said we're on KP seventy one. That's crazy. I know it's crazy. Who is it? Uh, banana. It's from, okay. from Boston. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's easy to find me on Facebook. Yeah, it's true. It's you know, like is not, not a common term out there in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I wish you good luck, and I hope that uh, that reflexive or that reflectivity, uh, you know, uh, pays off for even more, you know, communal good times in the future. Me too. All thanks right, for man. thanks for talking. Yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Talk to you <laughs> soon. So that's Greg Hansen, folks. Make sure that you're checking out King Pizza Records. They have a lot of great music, some bands that are worth supporting here in New York. And as I said before the interview, way, way out of league fun. So much fun at any of their shows. So go be in part of the community, man. And if you can't get down with the King Pizza community, just get down with the music community here in New York. That's what the show is all about, is making sure that you know that, man, there's some good stuff out there. And you got to go out, you got to support it, you got to get out of the house. 
because Tenacious D said you got to get out of the apartment. So check out King Pizza Records at kingpizzarecords.com. Check out the show notes below this episode for how you can follow them, see them everywhere else on Twitter and Instagram, and keep up with the latest news there. And uh, this is going to be the last interview of this year, I think. Uh, I've been trying to set up interviews with other folks, but as the holidays get going, uh, it gets hard for me with my family and everything. It gets hard for them with their family and everything and everything that everybody's up to and all the projects everybody's working on. So just know uh, I'm going to try to, to get a nice little queue up so that uh, at the beginning of 2020, for that one hell of a year that's going to be, uh, I can start putting this out on a more regular basis. So thank you so much for all the folks that have been uh, checking out the show so far. Thanks for the feedback as well. You can check out the archives for the show over at FreelanceFiends.com or you can just subscribe, like, leave a review over on iTunes, on TuneIn, on Spotify, everywhere that you listen to podcasts. I've done my level best to be there as well. If I've missed you, let me know at FreelanceFiendsNYC at gmail.com. That's where you can contact me to book interviews. Tell me about music I need to be hearing and just uh, say hello because I love talking to people you know hit us up on Twitter at sounds underscore BK and sounds familiar BK over on Instagram as well slide into my DMs I don't mind sounds familiar is a freelance fiends production hosted edited produced by me Adam Shaper music as usual by Nick Martin's farm jazz orchestra thank you so much for joining me I hope that you have a great week. We will see you in the new year. If you need to catch up, don't forget about the uh, the regular show, Freelance Fiends. That's a music show. Just check out the last two episodes, too. Cinema Cinema came through. They just got back from their tour. And, of course, the uh, amazing Ann Courtney of Mother Feather, who are doing a, maybe one more show this year as well. So get out there. Put the money in the hands of the people that are making the music you love. I hope to see you in the new year, and I hope that you have a wonderful holiday season. My name is Adam Shaper, and you've been listening to Sounds Familiar.